So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I apologize in advance for the sound of this podcast. I am in Atlanta. I am not in LA. I thought I would be there today to tape the podcast, but it seems there were a change of plans. One that I was not notified of until the very last minute. You see, I was supposed to fly home yesterday, Wednesday. I packed up all my stuff in my hotel suite and my plan was to hang out by the pool until my car came to pick me up to go to the airport. So I checked out late around 12 or so. I was going to hang out until 4.30. I get to the front desk to turn in my keys and the manager is like, wait, you're leaving us? And I was like, yeah, my checkout is today. And he was like, no, 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 no. I got a call this morning to extend your room until Saturday. So I was like, wait, what? I'm going to go back upstairs since the room is here and Atlanta was having a torrential downpour, as does happen in places where it rains, unlike the place where I live. I really appreciate rain now that I don't see it on a regular basis. I also think it's a really creepy concept, the idea of like water just falling from the sky. Like that's not really as normal as people would like to think. Anyway, I come back up to my suite. I email the woman and I was like, hey, I think there might be a mistake. There are several people that are staying in the hotel and, you know, maybe you mixed up my name with someone else's name. Someone else might be staying till Saturday, but I'm definitely going home. So I'm just trying to make sure that this person who's staying till Saturday actually has their proper hotel room. So she writes back, yes. I'm like, huh? Because that wasn't a yes or no question. And so she's like, please contact XYZ. So I contact XYZ and I'm like, hey friend, because he cool as hell. Like, what's, what's going on? And he was like, yeah. We have a car on the way to the hotel for you since you're staying an extra four days. Like, everything's good, right? And I was like, no, everything's not good because I was supposed to leave today. And he was like, no, no, no. You were supposed to leave on Saturday. We booked the hotel wrong. And I was like, no, no, no. Y'all told me I was leaving on Wednesday. So now you're telling me I'm leaving on Saturday? And he was like, it seems that's the case. And he was like, I'm really sorry. I thought someone told you this is confusing. I know. But can you make this happen? Because we really need you the rest of the week. And I was like, folks know who to send to tell people things that may upset them. Because the guy that said it to me is cool as hell. We have a great relationship. And he ain't the person, in my opinion, who screwed up. So there's no sense in flipping on him. So I say all that to say, I thought I was going to be in LA. I thought I would have my regular equipment and I thought I would be able to get the podcast up on time. But 
rolling with the punches, trying to be a team player and do everything that I can to support a great project and ensure its success. So here I am taping on a microphone attached to my collar because I have on my pajamas and I don't have any of my other equipment that makes the sound most palatable to your ears. So thank you in advance. A couple people have written in about the sound of the podcast lately. And I assure you at the moment, I'm doing everything I can to make it sound as good and be as professional as possible. But sometimes, especially during a global pandemic, it just doesn't permit it to be so. The studio where I would like to be taping my podcast currently is not open because global pandemic. And the space that I have in my house, fortunately for me, but unfortunately for the podcast, my new space is bigger and it has city noise. And I also don't have rugs yet. I've only been living there two weeks, a week of which I've been gone. So I haven't been able to order rugs to put down to get some of this, um, uh, I guess it sounds airy or it sounds like I'm in a large space. Rugs would absorb some of that sound, but I haven't been there to purchase any rugs. I mean, I guess I could order them online, but I have to have cute rugs that like, you know, match. I can't just have like any rugs just for like sound. I mean, be reasonable. So yeah. But other than that, things are going pretty well. I've had a chance to see some old friends. One of them is my homie, Jordan. I haven't seen her since Bali. If you saw my Bali picture, she was all up and through them. And if you saw really good food that I appear to be eating at home, that's her. She's a personal chef. Girl can cook her whole little face off. But I got a chance to hang out with her. Got to hang out with my sister. Technically, I'm an only child, but I, but she's like one of my best friends since I was 20. So I call her my sister because that's the best fitting term. And I saw an old friend from college. I hang out with him every time I'm in Atlanta, except for when I was married. I didn't think that was a good thing to do. But he's genuinely a friend. He's a really good person. Like we were genuine friends when we were like 18 years old. His birthday was Tuesday. So he came by to hang out with me. We just ordered takeout from Cheesecake Factory because both of us are like afraid to be in public. And then we sat on the balcony and we just like talked till like six o'clock in the morning. I hadn't seen him in three years. We've talked a couple of times, but nothing in depth. So it was just good to just spend some time and catch up. Good times. Good conversation. Really great dude. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. John Lewis's funeral was today. I was trying to go yesterday to pay my respects. He was laying in state at the Capitol here. I was supposed to go with my sister, but I didn't know how I was going to go and then be back at the hotel to get my car to the airport. So I could have gone, but I didn't. Womp womp. But his funeral was today. Oh, before I talk about the funeral, I want to talk about his letter in the New York Times that came out today. As you know, John Lewis died last week. When he was in the hospital, he wrote an essay, an op-ed for the New York Times, and it was to be published on the day of his funeral. They ran it today, July 30th. He passed on July 17th, so almost two weeks after he passed. John Lewis is an amazing writer. I talked, I think, last week about his book, Walking in the Wind, which I think everyone should read. It's just a great story, well told. John Lewis is an an excellent orator. He's also an excellent writer. Let me read you a little bit from this essay. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want you to go and read this essay. It's worth the read. His words from the afterlife. He says, while my time here has come to an end, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me. You filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great American story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. That is why I had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, though I was admitted to the hospital the following day. I just had to see and feel it for myself that after so many years of silent witness, the truth is still marching on. Emmett Till was my George Floyd. He was my Rayshard Brooks, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed, and I was only 15 years old at the time. I will never, ever forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. He goes on to say so much more. He talks about his parents. He talks about Trayvon Martin. He talks about the first time he heard the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on an old radio, and he left us with marching orders. He says, though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe in. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence in the most excellent way. Now it is your turn to let freedom ring. When historians pick up the pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. I skipped over the part where he told everybody to vote, but I think that's important. Vote. The election is less than 100 days away. Trump. He suggested delaying the presidential election due to mail-in voting. He thought that maybe we should wait until after the coronavirus goes away to vote for the presidential election. He says that mail-in voting will be inaccurate and fraudulent. Mind you, this is based on nothing. There's no studies. There's no facts. 
He says it will be a great embarrassment for the United States and perhaps, he puts question marks, delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Ain't no way in hell. We got to get his ass out of office in November. If I got to put on a hazmat suit and go stand in line for eight hours to go to the polls, then that's what needs to happen. We can't let Trump stay in office any longer than absolutely necessary. Biden may not be exciting, but Biden is not Trump. Speaking of Biden, where was he today? He wasn't at John Lewis's funeral. I asked about it on Twitter and a couple people informed me that he paid his respects to John Lewis at the rotunda when he was lying in state at the Capitol. Okay, where was Biden at the funeral? The funeral was essentially the in-person DNC. Clinton was there. GW, who has all but denounced Trump for his handling of coronavirus. He spoke. Obama gave the eulogy, a very nice eulogy. It basically listed Joe Biden's black agenda. 50 members of Congress were there, including Pelosi, dressed in all blue in an election year at a nationally televised funeral. She looked hurt. She wasn't speaking about John Lewis, the politician. She was very much up there speaking about John Lewis, her dear friend. There were many times when I was like, I know there's ushers because it's Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Ain't no way there's no ushers. Could somebody send an usher for Pelosi? Because there were a couple times I didn't think she was going to make it. She started talking about this double rainbow and it was John Lewis waving goodbye. And I was like, oh no, she's not going to make it. But she never dropped a tear, which tears are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But she never dropped a tear. She choked up, but she recovered. She pushed through. She's a G. But she was hurt, hurt. I mean, I think everybody was hurt. But Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, visibly hurt, hurt. Senators Kamala and Corey were there. I call them by their first names, not out of disrespect, but out of respect. They family. My favorite congressperson, Cedric Richmond, he was not there. Cousin Cedric, he lit up, what's the dude's name? Evil Dan from Roseanne. Barr, what's Barr's first name? William Barr, the attorney general. The House Judiciary Committee, they brought in the attorney general, I think to find out what's going on in Portland with these secret police or the feds who aren't identifying themselves. I think that's what they brought him in on. Barr got so many shenanigans going on, that could have been about anything. But they brought him in. I guess Evil Dan said something about John Lewis. He invoked John Lewis's name for something. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw the clip on the internet. But Cousin Cedric went off again. And you know Cousin Cedric, he likes to give you that New Orleans shade. That's a different level of shady palm tree down there. I think it's because it's so hot. Maybe because the food is spicy. I don't know. But he gives you a different level of shade. But today, he didn't even try to keep it classy. He told William Barr, he said, you walked yourself in here with your top staff. He said, I see no black people among them. You don't represent anything that John Lewis stood for. So please going forward, sir. Literally, he said, keep John Lewis's name out your mouth. A United States congressman, during a televised hearing, he told him, keep John Lewis's name out your mouth. I just adore him. That was totally a sidebar. That's not what we're supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be talking about John Lewis's funeral, which is very important to speak about. That's a beautiful service. Jennifer Holliday sang. Now, I'm going to just guess, because we know Jennifer Holliday can sing. This is not up for question. Jennifer Holliday can sing her whole face off. But maybe she was close to John Lewis. Maybe they were friends. Because she was a little off today. She was. And I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm not going to judge people how they sing at funerals unless it's really, really bad. Like Alicia Keys at Whitney's funeral. That was bad. 
There was another woman who sang, I don't want to talk about people not being able to sing at funerals because that's rude. That second lady was terrible. But there was also a little young boy there and I didn't catch his name, but he read Invictus. That's a very powerful poem. But the little boy was good. I got choked up at the end when he said, John Lewis was my hero and my friend. I think the backstory with this kid is that he really loved John Lewis. He went to an event where John Lewis was speaking. He waited for John Lewis to come out. John Lewis speaks to him. The little boy bursts into tears, tells John Lewis that he's his hero. And John Lewis stayed in contact with the kid over the years. They became friends because that's the type of person that John Lewis is. Clinton spoke. He rambled a little bit, but he pulled it all together at the end. Can we talk about Bill Clinton? I'm going to say this, and I know it's the wrong thing to say. I want you to know that I feel bad saying it. Not because Bill Clinton is white, but because Bill Clinton is a president that I actually respect. Bill Clinton is a nigger. So he did his speech, and then he went and sat down. And I think Bill Clinton forgets that he is a former president. You're an important figure for the culture. You are expected to, you know, be dignified when you're in public. Clinton went and sat down and I guess he was like, oh, I'm done for the day. I'm just, you know, another person sitting in the church because he was sitting in the pew sprawled out like he was chilling on a chair in the barbershop. Like he had his arm up. He had his legs crossed to the side, the other arm. He was just sprawled, taking up space. And I know we're social distancing and all. It's not like he was infringing on other people's space. But there's like a way that you sit when you're in church, you know? Bill Clinton didn't know. And I was like, where's Hillary? No, really, where is Hillary? But Hillary needs to be around to keep Bill in order. Because Bill left to his own devices be real free and comfortable. I'm like, sir, I know you love black people. But we don't sit that way in the church. That's not what we do. We show respect in the house of the Lord. I was happy to see George W. Bush, words that 10 years ago I never thought I'd speak. Remember how we used to think GW was so goddamn dumb? That's how low Trump's bar is. That the person we used to think was one of the dumbest humans alive looks like a Rhodes Scholar now. That's how low the bar is. Kanye West, when he was somebody that people actually liked, once got on television and said, George Bush does not care about black people. And we were like, well, goddamn, Kanye said the shit everybody was thinking. That George Bush is the person I was happy to see today. As my grandmother, may she rest in peace, used to say, just keep living, child. Just keep living. Arcs of stories are long. You never know what's about to happen next. If 2020 ain't an example of that, what is? Saw GW and felt warm fuzzies inside. Oh, Michelle Obama wasn't there. You know that's half the reason GW showed up. You know he was looking for his little friend to give her some candy. Social distance or not, you know he was going to find Michelle and get close and give her some candy with his wife sitting right there. Was going to ask Laura for some candy out her purse and then turn around and give it to another woman. That's just their relationship. That's how they be together. He'd be so happy to see Michelle Obama. He just loved being next to her. Her presence just makes him feel good all over. You can see it on his face. Michelle Obama just has that effect on men. She has a new podcast. I haven't listened to the new episode. I wanted to before this podcast. I'm really sorry, y'all. I'm just swamped right now. I saw a picture of her and Barack from the podcast. They have the audio and the video for it. It seems that they're sitting in their living room and they have two microphones and Barack is just, he's slumped back in the chair and he just got this big old doofy smile on his face. 
I have no clue what they talking about, but I know Barack wasn't interested in no more conversation. He was ready to reach out and touch. Maybe again, because they look comfortable and chilling like they just got finished doing some touching. And Michelle was just sitting up there. She had her natural hair, or at least she added some hair that looked natural. It looked nice. But she had on these little short shorts and she had her legs out. It was a black and white picture. Her legs looked shiny in the picture. I was like, ma'am, what are you moisturizing with? But she had two, but she had her little short shorts on and her greased up thighs and her husband was just sitting across from her, just happy, happy, like the happiest man on earth. And she was leaned back in the chair and somebody was like, look at their body language. It's like, you look at their body language. They're both, they're both pointing their very special parts at one another. They're leaned back at the top, but their lower portions are both sticking out and pointed toward one another. I was like, y'all just, (laughs) they've been married what, like 25 years? And they still got it for each other like that? That's some good stuff. Everybody who ain't got it, want it. Everybody who ain't got that, want that. But Obama walked in. He looks so good. His walk is so clean. He just, he just be walking. Just, just be walking, girl. I feel bad speaking about the president like that. That's not right. But I'll tell you who to highlight of the funeral was your Nona Clayton. I was not familiar with her. She is a civil rights icon. She's also the founder of the Trumpet Awards. Remember the Trumpet Awards in the 90s? I don't know if they're still going on. She got up and told the story of how John Lewis and his wife, Lillian, she's also deceased, how they got together. She's like the best homie ever. Lillian was her girl. Your Nona knew John Lewis and was like, Lillian, you've been out here dating bums. You need somebody who's going places. You're smart. You're accomplished. You're well-traveled. You need somebody who matches your fly. I know this dude, John. Lillian was like, oh no, he's too slow for me. And she mean mentally slow. You know, John from the country. So ma'am wasn't interested. Yonona was like, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need in life. I know what's best. She asked John, she said, John, are you serious about anybody? And John was like, no, I'm out here chilling. She said, okay. John had a procedure. Yonona grabbed Lillian and was like, girl, we going to the hospital. John's sick. We're going to take him some flowers. We're going to show we could be nurturing. We're going to show how much we care. Let's go to the hospital. So they rolled up to the hospital and somebody else was there. And Lillian was like, he wasn't serious about her because he told me he wasn't serious about nobody. She said, Lillian was intimidated. And she said, girl, we're going to get rid of her. And she said, and we did. She said, but even after that, Lillian still was not feeling him. She was like, girl, he's too slow for me. She said, girl, I'm telling you, this man is going places. So she said, John was pussyfooting around. And then Lillian started pussyfooting around. And she said, no, no, that's too much. She was a very social woman. People knew her for having these big parties at her house. She said, John, I want you to come to my New Year's Eve party. John said, okay, he coming. She said, Lillian, I want you to come to my New Year's Eve party. Lillian said, okay, I'm coming. They got to the house for New Year's Eve. It was the three of them sitting up in the house. John, Lillian, and Yernona. And she said they got to know each other that night. She said they hit it off. They had a nice time. She's like, then I decided, you know what? Y'all going to be married. And she said, so I put them together. And she said, I planned a wedding too. And they were married over 40 years. I was like, where is this friend in my life? I don't have friends who are introducing me to future American icons. Where's my Yernona friend? I want my Yernona friend in my life. I'll take a Yernona. I'll take the friend who introduced Meghan Markle to Prince Harry. 
Why are my friends not introducing me to princes and American icons? And look, he don't even have to be a prince. He don't have to be an American icon. Can you just introduce me to somebody who looks at me the way Barack looks at Michelle? I just, I just like, what are y'all, what are my friends doing? I feel like they failed me. Next time somebody asks me, like, why are you single? I'm not going to be like, because I divorced my husband. I'm going to be like, because my friends are not introducing me to quality men. That's why I'm single. My friends are not introducing me to quality men. That's the new reason for single. I would just like to report at this time that I am the Yernona Clayton of my friends. A set of pictures that have been circulating of John Lewis. Shortly before he passed away, he took a series of photos at Black Lives Matter Plaza in D.C. He referenced being there in the letter that he wrote for the New York Times. And those photos that have been circulating everywhere, there's one where he's standing on Black Lives Matter Plaza, and there's another one when he's, he's standing at the hotel. I can't remember the name of it. I've been to that hotel 50 million times. It's a really famous hotel. Congresswoman from Texas does her CBC party there every year, and you can see the White House from the patio. I say all that to say, John Lewis went up to that rooftop view of the hotel, and he's looking down at Black Lives Matter Plaza. It's a really, it's a really striking portrait. But my friend Gary is the one who took the photos. People will be like, Demetria, it is very uncouth for you to name drop. It might be. But Gary is one of my very close friends, and I would not be name dropping him if I was not proud of him. If he was up here doing shenanigans, I wouldn't mention his name. And if somebody would be like, don't you know Gary? I'd be like, who? But I'm super proud of Gary. And the Washington Post just did an amazing feature on Gary as the photographer of these John Lewis photos. Why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story because I am the Yernona Clayton. I introduced Gary to his wife. His wife also, her photo, along with the photo of their oldest daughter, they have two children, a boy and a girl, but his wife is holding their daughter while talking to John Lewis in one of the photos that's featured in the Washington Post article. If you've been following me for a long time, you will remember I did a see some world trip and I went to Kenya. Started out in Nairobi, ended up somewhere else at the Giraffe Manor, then ended up at a white rhino reserve to go on safari, went to this place. It was the most beautiful place I've ever seen. We're standing by a lake and like a hippo comes over and just is like in the lake. And me and Gary were like, should we be alarmed? And our guide was like, nah, if you don't bother the hippo, the hippo won't bother you. Anyway, we leave the city and the white rhino reserve and we head out to the beach. Coincidentally, my friend Davida, you know, my trips to Ghana, I go with Davida. So my friend Davida was also in Kenya. A couple days prior, I'd gone to lunch to meet Davida. She was there with her friend Devon. When I got back, I tell Gary and Jonica, I'm like, oh yeah, my friend Davida is so dope. She has this friend with her. And I was like, Gary, you might really like her. Gary was in his, you know how sometimes you just be unbothered. You just don't feel like dating. You're not really interested in anybody. You're just out here. Gary was like, yeah, 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 you know, pretty women, nice, you know, dime a dozen, whatever. So I was like, all right, I tried to tell you, whatever. That was when we were in Nairobi. We all end up out at the beach at the same time. I'm supposed to get up with Davida and her friend. I'm supposed to go to their hotel. I wake up in the morning, go to the beach, and there are camels. So I called them and I was like, yo, do y'all have camels down there? And they were like, no. I'm like, I got camels. Come meet me so you can meet the camels. I was hanging out with Gary. We've been in the sun all day. He was like, I'm tired. I'm going to hang out with you until your homegirls get here. And then I'm going to go upstairs. So I was like, all right, bet. So the homegirls come. We're all talking, catching up. We're having a bit of girl talk. I'm like, oh, gee, thank you so much for staying with me. But you could go. You don't have to stay. I know you're tired. You wanted to lay down. He was like, "Mm -mm, no, I'm not tired. I'm good. 
Oh, really? You good now? Yeah, I'm good. He stayed and hung out for the rest of the day. He wasn't a bit more interested in me and Davida. Started talking to Devon. That conversation started, what, like five, six years ago? They ain't stopped since. They married now and got two kids. They're going to be talking for a long while. People all the time be like, I don't know no happy couples. And I'd be like, really? I do. I love them. But the whole point of me telling you that story is because I want you to know that while I don't have a hocus pocus friend who's introducing me to princes, dudes who are featured in the Washington Post and take iconic photos of American superheroes, I mean, I don't have that for me, but I just want you to know that I do it for others. That's my humble brag. I brag different. And they're not the only ones. I hooked up this couple, the Rouses. They've been married like a good 10 years and change. I'm friends with his wife on Facebook. I did that when I was at Essence. But that's not the point of this story. The point of this story is to talk about John Lewis. I knew it was going to be political in much the same way that George Floyd's was, even though, you know, John Lewis obviously passed under different circumstances. But I don't think John Lewis would have minded. I actually felt bad for George Floyd, the way his funeral was so politicized. I mean, it was a good funeral. And his tragic ending did spark worldwide protests and the second wave of the movement of Black Lives Matter. But he was just a regular dude living a regular life. And his funeral wasn't about him. It was about everything but him. John Lewis's funeral, although very politicized, was everything that John Lewis had stood for his entire life. I actually think he would have been quite pleased. My prayers are with his family and friends. May he rest in power. John Lewis. What else is going on? Oprah put Breonna Taylor on the cover of O Magazine. When I first saw it, I thought it was like a markup that somebody had made. Because, you know, people have been continuously mentioning Breonna Taylor for the obvious reason that the police officers who murdered her in her home while she was sleeping, it's been over three months. They have not been arrested. When I was out protesting in D.C., Breonna Taylor's name came up almost as often as George Floyd's. People were out there marching because of their outrage for many different deaths. George Floyd's was videotaped and hearing him call for his mother and watching that police officer kneel, hands in pockets, so unbothered as he murdered someone, really upset a lot of people. Now, perhaps it was because he was on video that people responded to his death in such a way so strongly, but Breonna Taylor's story is equally as tragic. And she is a woman, and it was not on video, but her life mattered. Her death mattered, and the police officers who murdered her should be arrested. And it's just wrong, immoral, unjust that no one has been held accountable for taking her life. I noticed earlier this week that everyone was talking about Magic City. And I was like, why is everyone talking about Magic City? There was a tweet circulating of some white guy asking, I'll bite, what's Magic City? And somebody, was it Bakari Sellers? Responded, it's an African-American performance hall. Is that what we call the strip clubs now? It seems that NBA player, a clipper, I'd never heard his name before this week. My guy friends had to explain to me that like Lou Williams is kind of a big deal. He's a veteran player. He's won sixth man of the year multiple times. He's a solid, respected player. Okay. Lou Williams, I think it's important to know, is in his 30s. He's 32 or 33. He's not no 21-year-old, no rookie 
doing the nonsense that he did. So Lou Williams, like many other NBA players, was living in the bubble down in Florida. There was a death in his family. I can't figure out if it was his father or his grandfather, but there was a death in his family in Atlanta. So he got permission from the league to leave the bubble to go to this very important funeral. I don't know if it was on his way to the funeral or on his way from the funeral. Old Lou decides to stop at Magic City. And not only does his dumb ass stop at Magic City, he's an NBA player, which means people are going to recognize him. But just in case they don't, old Lou goes in Magic City with his NBA face mask on. It doesn't stop there. Lou goes to Magic City with some rapper. Lou, in his NBA face mask, takes pictures, takes pictures in Magic City During a global pandemic, when he's supposed to be living in the NBA bubble. Doesn't stop there. The rapper that Lou took the pictures with posts the picture on his IG stories. And everyone's like, is that Lou at Magic City during a global pandemic? The NBA sees the picture and was like, wait, what? So Lou shows back up. They're like, so you know you got to be quarantined, right? And you know you're going to have to miss two games, right? People sitting up here desperate for basketball. And your ass putting everybody's hopes, dreams, and salaries in jeopardy because you want to go to Magic City. So everybody had jokes about Lou going to see some ass clap during a global pandemic. And Lou was like, I did no such thing. I did not go to Magic City to see ass clap. I went to Magic City for the wings. Lou said he wanted some lemon pepper wings. And I don't know if the wings at Magic City were named the Lou Will Wings before this incident, but they released a menu online since everybody was talking about the wings. They got Lou Will Wings listed on the menu. Now, I don't even eat wings. I ain't had chicken in over 20 years, but I'm down in Atlanta. I'm asking some of the men on the project. I was like, are the wings at Magic City really that good? And everybody was like, I mean, they all right. That's not really what you go to Magic City for. Dude is out here telling this story about he went to get the wings and they got a whole wing menu. And he was like, you know, if you're there, you might as well eat. I much prefer his version of the story that he was willing to put everybody's life and health and finances in jeopardy over some food. Because I will travel for food. Food is very near and dear to people. But no, you really put everybody in jeopardy to see some ass clap. Son. Nigga. Oh, the Emmy nominations came out. I read that 34.3 of the acting nominees for this year's Emmys were black folk. That made me really, really happy. Maya Rudolph was nominated twice in the same category, guest comedy actress, for her work on The Good Place and on Saturday Night Live. Other nominees include Billy Porter, Sterling K. Brown, Zendaya, Anthony Anderson, Don Cheadle, Issa Rae, Tracy Ellis Ross, Regina King, Octavia Spencer, and Kerry Washington. Okay, this list that I'm reading from doesn't have, what's the dude from Watchmen? I'm going to butcher his name. Come on, from Watchmen. He was blue, and then he was black, and then he was blue again. That's not the important part. The important part... He is an enormously talented man, and he appeared, I want to say, was it episode eight? 
his birthday suit. He wore that and he walked right up to the camera in his full glory, his full brown, moisturized glory. Chiseled, tall, wide. I watched that clip of him many times, many times. When I tell you he is enormously talented, he is. I look forward to seeing more of his body of work. He's a good actor. He's a fine actor. Enormously talented. You know whose name I'm going to butcher? The woman who played uh, Maddie Moss Clark in the Clark Sisters movie. Ajwane Ellis, she played her whole ass off in that Clark Sisters movie. And the Emmy should be embarrassed. I know it's a Lifetime movie. People don't think of Lifetime as doing Emmy-nominated work. Ma'am acted her whole ass off on that film. The Emmy should be ashamed that she was not nominated. Ashamed. I didn't watch How to Get Away with Murder. I just never got into it. But I also read that Viola Davis didn't get nominated for the final season, which everyone raved about. I can't tell you personally whether it was a rave worth making, but everyone raved about it. And Viola Davis was not nominated. Essence did a story about the black folks who made the list, but also the black folks that should have made the list. If you want to check it out, it's worthwhile. But none of the people that were on the list were from shows I watched. So I can't weigh in one way or another. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about AOC, Congresswoman AOC. And I meant to talk about it on last week's podcast, but I just, I didn't have time to do the research. She, I didn't have time to watch her speech on the House floor in response to the congressman that called her a fucking bitch and called her disgusting on the Capitol steps. Ted Yoho. Is that how you pronounce his name? The congressman who called her that was Ted Yoho. He's a Republican from Florida. And I only say that just to give you a detail. It's not like Republicans from Florida are the only kind of men who would call a woman out of her name. That easily could have been a Democrat from the North. Misogyny and sexism and the crude behavior of men is not dictated by location or party affiliation. He called her a fucking bitch and many news outlets reported it. AOC originally said that they had this confrontation, that he stuck his finger in her face. He was mad that she was blaming poverty or low income as a reason for crime, which I was like, but that is the reason for a lot of crime. The story is widely reported and, and this congressman goes on the House floor and he gives this half-assed apology to AOC. He says that he didn't say what a journalist reported him saying. He got on the House floor and he said, having been married 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of language. He said he apologized for, quote, a misunderstanding, but he cannot apologize for, quote, my passion or for loving my God, my family, and my country. Sir, that has nothing to do with you being an asshole and a cunt on the Capitol steps. She said she'd planned to ignore Yahoo and just move on. And she was like, you know, as a woman, that's what we do. It's, it's a lifetime of ignoring such insults. But then she says, Yoho brought up his wife and daughters and it just really upset her. 
And she was like, you're not going to be out here being a pig, basically, and then try to hide behind your wife and daughter to absolve you after you've done this really fucked up thing. And she was like, I don't accept your non-apology. In fact, let me read you for filth on the house floor. I'm not going to read you the whole thing and I'm not going to play you a clip, but if you have 10 minutes of your time, I would encourage you to go watch AOC's whole speech. She eviscerated him meticulously, sentence by sentence, word by word, thought by thought. It's an excellent speech on sexism. And she makes it clear that she's dealt with it her whole life. All women have. She talks about being a bartender and people would say crazy things to her. And she was like, the difference between a bar and Congress is that when people talk to me like that in the bar, they would get thrown out. As for Yoho talking about his wife and daughter, she said, quote, you can be a powerful man and accost women. You can have daughters and accost women without remorse. You can be married and accost women. You can take photos and project an image to the world of being a family man and accost women without remorse and with a sense of impunity. It happens every day in this country. I am someone's daughter too. And thankfully, my father is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. She pointed out that she's two years younger than Yoho's youngest daughter. She said, my mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect of me on the floor of this house on television. I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. This harm that Mr. Yoho tried to levy at me was not just directed at me. When you do that to any woman, what Mr. Yoho did was give permission to other men to do that to his daughters. I am here to say that is not acceptable. I watched that speech with tears in my eyes. Like in general, I like AOC. Like she's mouthy, she's loud, she's a New Yorker. I don't know what else you want. She represents well, I think. Has she been perfect? No. Has she had missteps and a learning curve? Absolutely. But she's also been really impassioned and she's also been really smart and she's also been really well-researched and really direct. And it also makes me wonder how many other people with this kind of brain are underutilizing themselves, pouring drinks or making up beds or doing mundane shit while sitting on all of this brilliance. I watched that speech and I was proud of her. I was proud of her for not taking it. And I think a lot of women, because every woman's taken it, every woman's been called out her name. We've talked about this on multiple podcasts. Every woman's been talked to crazy at some point or another. Sometimes you flip out and sometimes you just do what you have to do to protect your safety. But a lot of times we don't speak up because you're afraid the man's going to hit you or spit on you or throw something at you or kill you because that happens too. But I was proud of her for speaking up and for not letting it pass. She said she did it for her parents. She said she did it for young girls, but she could have just done it because fuck, she's sick of that shit. After a lifetime of it, this was the time she decided to snap. I was really proud of her. I know there is much more going on in the world. I saw that Meg Thee Stallion, I saw that Drea, who was a rep for Fenty, was fired, was dropped from Fenty for making jokes about domestic violence. I was like, you just wasn't thinking about your check at all, huh, sis? You are employed by a woman who had a very public domestic violence case, and you thought it was a good idea to clown about domestic violence on social media.
You be thinking people want checks. They really don't. I saw that Chrissy Teigen also had a joke about Meg the Stallion. I don't remember what the joke was. She tweeted it. It was stupid. But people lit her ass up to the point that she had to make her page private. She came back later and apologized, you know, about the timing. And it wasn't a joke about intimate partner violence. It was just a stupid joke and she didn't mean anything by it. But in general, I like Chrissy, but sometimes she'd be walking the edge of stupid. She, she's on thin ice. I know Chrissy's known for, for being reckless at the mouth, but she might want to reel it back in. Because talking about a black woman who was shot in a DV situation just ain't funny. Just, it's just not. And if you do find it funny then black women probably should be supporting your shit. There's Terry Crews to talk about. He tweeted some dumb shit trying to reclaim the definition of coon. I guess he knows that he's often called that, and so he wanted to turn a negative into a positive. I'm like, bruh, stop. You know how I feel about Terry Crews, and I'm not going to say anything I haven't already said, which is essentially fuck him. Do I really need to repeat that in a five-minute segment? I don't think we do. Last but not least, rest in peace to Herman Cain. He died earlier today. His last big outing was the Trump rally in Tulsa in which he proudly said that he wasn't going to wear a mask and other people didn't need to wear them either. Shortly after that, he was admitted to the hospital. I believe he was on a ventilator for quite some time. And then he passed. I heard the announcement when my really good friend sent me a tweet and he said, wow, he really died dancing for the man. I said, well, you know, John Lewis liked the fight. He wanted to get in good trouble. Herman Cain just wanted to be troublesome. He got in the wrong kind of trouble for the wrong kind of people. And well, he's no longer with us. My thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends. It ain't their fault he was stupid. I saw somebody say, you know, we don't know that Herman Cain was exposed at the Tulsa rally. I think that's really a reach to make that argument. We do know that he died of coronavirus and that he was hospitalized shortly after the Tulsa rally. So best case scenario, he picked it up at the rally. Worst case scenario, he went to the rally, infected and infected more people around him. Which one you want to go with? Herman Cain spread it to other people, which is horrifying, especially being as how that would mean he died of the disease that he potentially spread to other people. Or he went to a Trump rally where face masks and social distancing were not encouraged, and he contracted the virus there. He lost his life cooning for the president. Has the president even acknowledged him? Terry Crews, please take note of how this is playing out. This could be you if you don't change your ways. Out here caping and cooning for folks who give no shits about you. Won't even tweet your name when you die supporting them. Gave your life to a dumbass cause. I'm really tired. So thank you for listening. As always, this concludes our podcast for the week. Next week, hopefully I will be back in LA and I won't be so tired and I can give you a hundred. I'm kind of operating on fumes right now. So thank you for your patience, especially with the sound. It drives me nuts when I edit. I hope it doesn't drive you nuts when you hear it. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life, in between now and the next episode, you can follow me on social media at Demetria L. Lucas, mostly Instagram and Facebook, sometimes Twitter. And if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to Ratchet and Respectable on whatever platform you are listening on. And I think there is no and. 
I think that's everything. We will talk again next week. Hopefully I can get back on schedule. I like doing us on Thursdays, but we've been a lot of Fridays lately. Sorry, y'all. I'm doing the best that I can and I'm tired. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.